Hello and welcome to the Native and the Transplant. I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. Jen, another week, another episode. Yeah, what is this, 30 or 31? This is 31. Nice. Yeah, we actually had uh, quite a few comments about our CRT discussion. That did was, we? We did. I didn't even hear so. any of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, a lot of, uh, actually a lot of good inf- or good feedback where people just enjoyed the conversation that we had and a lot of questions as far as why aren't people willing to talk about it well we would like to know the answer to that <laughs> did you have anybody reach out and say they wanted to come talk to us no weird no yeah weird so yeah if you if you are a teacher an educator uh administrator um hey if you happen to sit on the school board in northern colorado and you want to come on board and be willing to go on the record to correct anything that we said or give your own take we greatly appreciate the opportunity to talk to you um please reach out to us at the native.thetransplant at gmail.com again the native.thetransplant at gmail.com yeah here's the thing we got a couple new school board members Maybe they would like to come on and talk about that. Or maybe they have other things they'd like to talk about as well. We're open to it. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Before we dive into this episode, we do want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which our sponsor has been a great sponsor of ours for this year. It's the Tory Tattoo. So if you have the urge and you just need to scratch that itch and get a new tattoo or a new piercing, definitely reach out to Satori Tattoo. They are located at 116th East 4th Street in downtown. Loveland. Yeah, I was talking to Emily the other day. We're planning my next piece. I'm excited. Ooh. Yeah, getting a full shoulder. Full shoulder. Full shoulder. Are you sneak peek? Anything of that sort? What are you getting? Uh, it's kind of a, so there's a couple different pieces to it. Um, it, what it is, is it's sort of a floral kind of look with some line work in there and this real deep maroon color. I have pretty light light skin and that maroon color looks good on my skin. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then I'm going to put some things in. I had a cousin of mine pass away. Uh, she would have turned 42 this year. And, um, I, I have a little piece that I want to get, um, just tucked in there, a little kind of Venus star. Uh, so we'll see. Very cool. Yeah, Cause she, when she passed, I, I, Venus was in the sky and it was important to me. Got it. No, it <clears throat> yeah. sounds great. I can't, can't wait to see it. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a couple months out. My husband's still finishing his shoulder piece. Actually <laughs> he got this really cool Viking and he's getting these ravens on his chest, which I'm excited about. They're going to be, and Chris is doing it. That's so, awesome. you know, it's great. Yeah. Fantastic. So again, if you need to scratch that itch and get that new tattoo, especially before the holidays, definitely reach out to Satori Tattoo. And their best way is either via Facebook Messenger. Kim does a great job of responding back to that or give them a call. Their yeah. phone number 970-278-5880. Yeah. So I do uh, want to take the tone down just a little bit quick um, and talk about the Kruger Rock Fire started yesterday morning. Yes. Sounds like it was like electrical lines that caused it. I think they've confirmed that at this point. Um, jumped from five acres to 75 to 100 real fast yesterday. Yeah. Those winds did not help. Um, I think the biggest thing, though, is we've actually we had a tragedy up there. We lost um, one of our Colorado Fire Aviation pilots, um, Mark Thor Ors- Olson. Yeah. He's 59 years old. Yeah, and he had... <laughs> this wasn't a an amateur that was up there. Forty two no. years of flight 
over 8,000 hours. Yeah, and I think a 1,000 on night vision. Yeah. The really tragic thing is is that he was very experienced, and he even was saying it was too dangerous, and he was going to try to empty his load. Is that correct? Or see if he uh, could he make a pass? He was going to make, yeah, I guess the, the final call that came in is he was talking about how dangerous uh, the conditions were up there, but he was going to make one final pass to see if he could drop um, the retardant that he had. And before he headed back down to Loveland, and from all the reports, they said it was about three minutes later that they heard the plane crash. I, it just, it hurts my heart. I mean, that yeah. makes me really sad. I, he was an Air Force veteran, um, and had, like you said, 42 years of flight service. I mean, that is a big deal. So it's not like he was inexperienced. He knew what he was doing, and I, I just feel bad for, for him, and his, I feel bad for his family, his friends, mm-hmm. um, anybody that's dealing with that as he was trying to, trying to help put out a fire. Yeah. You know, that's kind of interesting because we've had a lot of people come to our community in the last couple of years to help us. And last year with the huge fire, the chimney rock fire, chimney rock over a hundred thousand acres. And so many of those people were here to help us. It's um, actually, it's funny because I interact with a lot of our our nurses that come in for travel and I always tell them, I always say, thank you because these are our friends and our family. And this is our community. You're here to help. And I, I just always hurts my heart when somebody coming to help, has lost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, just a couple minutes of, of thought for Mark Thor Olson. Yeah. All right. Well, can you believe that we are already halfway through November? I listen, I literally <laughs> wrote out a list of what I'm going to make for Thanksgiving today. <laughs> and speaking of Thanksgiving, one of the, we do want to do a shout out, uh, chef clay with Mo Betta gumbo. Um, one of the things that he did last year and, um, me and my family, we went down and we helped um, put together Thanksgiving Day meals. Um, this year it is first come, first serve, and it's starting Wednesday, I believe at 10 a.m., that you can go and pick up your Thanksgiving Day meal. And there, I think they have about 1,500 available. Yeah. But um, Chef Clay, and they work with City Point, or yeah, City Point Church, uh, to put this together. Um, but it's just, it's awesome the fact that they're. You know, throughout everything, I know they made sure that people still had food on their table. No, it's true. He actually made, I mean, how many pies did you guys give out last year? (laughs) I don't remember how many pies. There was a ton. I think it was close to 1,500. Yeah, and you know how good the pies are there. (laughs) Oh, man, the pies are so good. Their desserts in general are really awesome. Yeah. You know, it it, it just harkens back to the days years ago when all of the restaurants on 4th Street, I, I remember Chillers used to do that, and I actually brought food down there so many times just to, to make sure that, that the people that came in for a meal were there. And sometimes it was homeless people. Sometimes it was people that had worked all day and really didn't have a table to sit at. You know, Thanksgiving always kind of makes me a little emotional. <laughs> I really have feelings, but there it is. <laughs> feelings? What are those? Gross. Yeah, it happens. But yeah, so if you are in need, especially this holiday season, for Thanksgiving, definitely reach out to Mobetta. Again, they're doing it first come, first serve, um, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So yeah. that's going to be... Was that the twenty fourth? Uh yep. gosh, that's yeah, I probably I don't know. <laughs> gosh, isn't it? Listen, I just realized Thanksgiving was next week. Yes. And I my cousin's coming into town. I'm so excited to see her. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um speaking though of Thanksgiving donations and stuff, um I it's my understanding that the food bank is very, very low on turkeys. Yes. And turkeys are pretty expensive this year. 
and they're hard as, to come by. As with everything. I know. Um, my husband actually bought our turkey like a week and a half ago and was like, make room in the freezer. Um, but somebody did mention that at King Supers, if you spend over $100, you get a free turkey. That's good to know. So if you get that free turkey and you don't need it, donate it. Yes. I mean, you know, we can oh, take absolutely. care of our community. We, I think that's a big thing that we always try to encourage. Well, and that's one of the things with Northern Colorado. Uh, it kind of doesn't matter where you're at in Northern Colorado. The community always tends to come together. It's pretty impressive. So, Yeah, it is awesome. pretty impressive. All right. Well, let's get to it, sir. Yeah. So this week's episode and, and the main story, one of the things that we talked about, especially with how how a lot of millennials, even Gen Xers, and now Gen Zers are raised, is you don't talk politics and you don't talk religion. Oh, so boy. We talk an <laughs> awful lot about politics on this show. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that has come up is religion. Yeah. And we've alluded to it a couple of times, but um, we've seen... One church in particular, so Res, Resurrection Fellowship. Uh, I don't know. So out on Crossroads Boulevard, out yeah, by the Walmart, Resurrection, DC. yeah, that's Res. Yeah, Res. So they've made headlines, especially with the mask mandate and that sort of stuff, yeah. where their superintendent, uh, Dr. Jerry Eshelman. I, Eshelman, I hope, maybe? Yeah, I Eshelman, I hope I'm not butchering <laughs> well, I hope that. Not. Uh, but he's their superintendent and CEO, and he has pushed back an awful lot on the mask mandate. Um, and then the pastors themselves, so Jonathan and Amy Wiggins, um, are the pastors of Res, and so they've created a little bit of controversy, but this has stirred the debate as far as the separation of church and state, and then also... Religion as a whole. And part of the reason why we want to talk about this is this is something we're seeing all over the nation, but we are seeing this happen here in northern Colorado as far as what are churches' rights. You know, where's the line? Where's yeah. the line? All of that stuff. And then also with how many people have left the church. Right. The report came out a few months back that for the first time in the history of our nation, that less than 50% of the population are um, what's the proper term? Um, agnostic or no, no, no. As far as devoted, as oh, far as attend church on a regular are, basis yeah, that are members of churches or that are identify as, um, a, a, a person in there yeah, yeah. as a believer. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I want to dive in first with you. Oh boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause I have a, and I'll share a little bit, uh, you know, this one's going to be a little bit more personal than I think some of our podcasts are because I, I love talking politics and religion because politics and religion are core values of a person. I would agree. Your entire lifetime up till present day has molded those two particular things. Yeah. Your ideas, how you grew up, how, you know, just the household that you grew up in, yeah. the region that you grew up in. All of that culminates in your belief on politics and religion. Absolutely. And I would say family pressure is a huge. Massive. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Massive. Yeah. Relationships, all kinds of stuff. So before I dive in, I want to hear your take as far as religion is concerned. It's a hard question, Alex. <laughs> I know. That's why we're um, doing it. And I'll tell you what, I, I'm kind of in a limbo place right now. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with my job and my family, and I'll go into that. But um, I was raised Catholic, and I was raised hardcore Catholic. Like, I went to a Catholic school for kindergarten. 
Um, we got kicked out because my brother was a troublemaker as a second grader. Those nuns are mean. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had your hand slapped by a, a ruler. I have. Uncool. Yeah. No. Not fun. Um, and then I, you know, of course, did all of the Catholic stuff, did reconciliation and first communion and all of that. And then throughout high school, you know, as a kid, you go to church because your family's going to church, right? I was probably 15. Um, actually, I was in confirmation classes with your wife, and that is the very first time we ever met, I probably at 12 or 13 years old, honestly. So I guess I was a little younger than that because we weren't even in high school at that point. Um, but I um, made a decision that I did not want to be confirmed Catholic because I felt like I just wasn't old enough to make that decision, and it wasn't something that had I really had considered. And my mom said, you know, Jen, she said, uh, you, you can, you can make those decisions. And I feel like you're making that decision with information. And as long as you are willing to, um, abide by some sort of guideline as far as morally, then I think that's fine. Well, my grandmother didn't talk to me for two years. <laughs> um, I don't mean to chuckle at that. It's just. Yeah, I, I mean it's hard because it's um it's it's hard because you know family pressures and things like that. I think you make decisions based on that just because of that, right? And and I never went back to the Catholic Church. Ironically, my daughter chose at nine years old to do the whole shebang on Easter Sunday. And five hours later, she had been baptized, did a reconciliation, her first communion and got confirmed all on her own decision. And that, you know what, I just, I think, um, it's really hard because religion doesn't have to be, um, forced down people's throats. And I do believe in spirituality. I, I think that there is a higher power. I'm not sure what that is. Um, I, I'm sure you know this, Alex, but I got my bachelor's degree in nursing at Colorado Christian University. Yeah. And I, I went on mission trips down with a group of women who were like-minded. And, and the thing is, is that, um, you know, I don't think that there's anything wrong with being good to people. And I firmly believe that we, I don't necessarily have to live a life that's stand up, sit down, kneel, pray. But as long as I'm good to people and I do my best to be a good human, that that's where I feel spirituality and belief comes in because I'm going to tell you right now, I really hate the word religion. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a interesting way to start the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I'll dive into a little bit of background and then kind of touch base on what you were saying. Um, I've had a very tumultuous relationship with religion um, for essentially my entire life. I was, um, my parents sent myself and my sisters to private Christian school. Uh, one, the first one, K through third grade, was called Choice City Christian School. It's up off of Drake, or it was up off of Drake, uh, just on the east side of college um, when it was in existence. And then we went to Front Range Baptist Academy. Now, that one is still off of Harmony, and I'm... I have no idea the way it's set up now. Yeah. Only talking about my experiences. And I can tell you that when I left there in seventh grade and went to public school, I was bullied more at a private Christian and a private Baptist school oh, than yeah. I was ever bullied in public school. I believe that. And so that's not only that, but if uh, my family did not <clears throat> attend either of those churches that they that they the schools were 
hosted in. Yeah. And so because of that, there was also prejudice against those that go to the church and those that don't. Those that are Baptist versus those that aren't. I was brought up in a, in a household that was evangelical is the best way to yeah, describe it. Yeah, just sort of in that net of correct. Yeah, Christianity, sort of that that whole thing. Yes, and so, so it's <laughs> um, with a lot of that, and then even with the churches, when kind of it culminated when I was in middle school, and um. My cousin, who's Mormon, stayed with us for a week, and I took her to youth group. And it was supposed to be just a fun game night. We yeah. weren't even doing any sort of a story or House any. Snacks. It was just strictly a game night. And the youth pastor and his wife spent an hour and a half berating my cousin, telling her, I think she was 16 at the time, 15 at the time, telling her how she's going to hell, Not how okay. that she, uh, unless she converts away from the Mormon religion, that she's going to live eternity in hell. She's going to bring um, disgrace to her family. I was told that as well. <laughs> yeah, I was told that, but when I did not get confirmed, I was told, yeah. Yes. And so that made me start to question things yeah. is how on earth at, can you as an adult sit there and berate a kid for over an hour yeah. on what was supposed to be a game night? Yeah. To tell a child that everything that you've believed for your whole life is wrong and you're going to hell. Yes. Uh, cool. So that's where I started questioning it. And you know, much to the dismay of my mother in particular. <laughs> I know your mom. <laughs> uh, I stepped away and it allowed me the opportunity to actually study all religions and yeah. not just be focused on the religion that I was brought up and born into. Right. Right. And I've think, done a lot of that myself. And I think that that's the biggest issue that occurs is so many people are brought up into one religion. They're raised Catholic. They're raised, you name it. And the moment they start branching out, all of a sudden the, the attacks start. Uh, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. That's actually why I don't like the word religion. <laughs> yeah. So with dealing with all of this, you take... There's an awful lot of churches that do an awful lot of good things. I would, I would so agree with that. And I think, I think, and I, I won't say all, but I think most churches have the mission of doing good. Most, I'd agree with that. Most. And most. I do think, I think, I'm not to say that it can't be bastardized, but I mean, I, I don't think that any religion, and I don't, yeah, Muslim and Christian and Catholic and, and you, well, we could, Make a pretty big list. Buddhism, all of those things. I don't think that the intention of religion was ever to cause division. Oh, I believe it totally was. You think so? Like oh, Tower absolutely. of Babel kind of stuff? You look at religion, and again, being that religion is so much of a core value, it being that it's a core value, if you mm -hmm. start to question it, then you're questioning your reality. Oh, that's true. And so, you're questioning authority. But looking at some of the stuff that has taken place, especially with less than 50% that call themselves believers, yeah. it's the rise of secular religions. And we've spoken to uh, to this topic just in brief, um, but dealing with how politics have become so polarized is politics has become kind of a secular religion oh, where people look at the higher up, whether it's the president, whether it's a senator, whether it's a congressman, and that's their moral authority. Right. And so when you start to question oh, their beliefs on it, 
Just as if you're questioning their beliefs on religion and the religion that they believe fully Mm -hmm. into, if all of a sudden you move that same thought process over to politics and now you aren't just discussing, you aren't discussing you know, random topic as far as the vaccine. Now, if you're going against a belief, now all of a sudden you are chipping away at a core value, which when you're chipping away at that core value, then at that point in time, you have somebody who is holding on to their beliefs, holding on to their life, holding on to everything that, that got them to that point within history. And when you start shipping away at that, then it is a much more difficult conversation to have than just staying on topic and just saying, hey, these are what I'm seeing about X, Y, and Z topic. And this is what you're seeing. It's true. And we can agree to disagree. Well, it's no longer about that. Right. Because when you get into, I mean, I would concur with that wholeheartedly. I mean, the thing is, is when you get into something that people have now made their belief that that is their core value and that is who they are, you are attacking them personally when you say, but that's not how I believe. Correct. And another uh, variation of a secular religion is veganism. You know, you look at veganism where people believe that they are doing everything good for the animals and the planet, but then they fail to realize that all of the fake leather, the pleather that's out there that they use, they want vegan leather. Yeah. It's all a petroleum based product. Oh, well, I know. I know there's so many ironies that come through. I mean, people hold, and, and I, I was a vegetarian for 25 years, oh. but I wasn't a vegetarian for those reasons. I really just didn't like meat. And to be honest with you, I still really don't. It's just not part of my standard diet, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the other aspect <clears throat> with you look at veganism. Yeah. Veganism is incredibly expensive. Oh, yeah. And so if you are vegan, it is truly a one percenter. <laughs> but the thought process, and when you talk to somebody who's vegan, it's a lot like CrossFit. You, they'll tell you that they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <There's>, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and But you see how veganism, unlike a vegetarian, most of the time vegetarian, the only way that you know is if you go out and have lunch with them. Right. Or have dinner with them, and they're going to say, hey, I'm vegetarian. I'm just going to get this. Yeah. Where that's not the case with veganism because it has become their belief system. Well, it's become their religion. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say an interesting parallel. One of the things that I always, when I was a vegetarian, I, people would be like, oh, but you don't eat meat. We're going to the steakhouse. They have other things on their menu and I will be able to find something. Do not adjust your plans for me. But when you get to the point where it's hardcore veganism or pescatarianism, whatever it is, they won't even go to those restaurants because they don't support the purchasing of that. And I, I totally understand that. That's their belief. Cool. Hey, eat how you want to eat, but don't force it on me. Much like religion. Yes. And so when we dive into religion, and especially with some of the stuff that's going on, it's uh, taking a look at what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. And even when I was on the campaign trail last year, I had many, many people that walked up to me and they they were more worried about how religious I was right. and what religion I was a part of and what church I went to than actually what was going on as far as um, the actual topics of the campaign. Right. Instead of, I mean, cause that's kind of, there, there has to be a, and, and you and I think feel pretty strongly about this. I, I don't think that religion has any place in politics. And, and that's where like when people push back on certain things that is against their religious belief, because they believe that that's their platform and they need to be the person pushing that agenda 
you can't push that on me. No. Just like you're not going to make me, I don't, I don't know, a Lutheran, <laughs> just a random, you're not going to make me that because you argue with me about it. It's like, can we just come to the table and understand I'm going to have my beliefs? Yes, but I can, I'm going to throw you, throw you throw for a, a loop a little bit. <laughs> Do it. Because also when you look at freedom, it's freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. Fair. Because I have the same issue on the other side with people that are atheists or agnostic, whatever it may be, that they don't want any symbolism at all of religion. Right. Totally remove it. I don't want to see it. I don't have to. It's, but you're right. It's freedom of not from correct and the, i mean the easiest way that you can see this is in congress yeah have you, have you ever been to, to congress no i uh, haven't Hill? i haven't no and i don't <laughs> i don't know that i ever will alex <laughs> so um i had a wonderful opportunity when a friend of mine lived out in dc to go oh, yeah. out there and he was gone for a couple of days and i just explored the city and got to go through a tour of the capital and i was just going to do the same tour that everybody else was but i ended up sitting down next to this very lovely couple from utah and they had emailed their uh, their congressmen and they were getting a private tour. Oh, cool. And as we were um, sitting through, you have a 15 minute film at the beginning of, of the tour. Okay. As we were sitting through that, I got to talking with them and we were talking in line beforehand and all of that stuff. And they're like, well, they talked to their handler and they're like, Hey, can he join us? And so I got to go on this private tour of the Capitol. And when you walk into Congress, when you, when you walk into the house, there are, um, there are what's the cameos there's large cameos of past presidents oh, yeah, founding cool. fathers okay. all of that stuff and every single one of them is a side profile with the exception of one and that one is moses really yes huh. the only one that is looks directly at the speaker so when you're when you see the speaker and where the president stands for the state of the union anything yeah. of that sort the one cameo that is facing that, that is full face is Moses. As in parts of the Red Sea? Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure we were, <laughs> I was like, is there another Moses I don't know about? Oh boy. I got to so, do some studying. <laughs> and so a lot of people go to the founding fathers and a lot of our founding fathers were agnostic, were atheists. Yeah. And yes, there was an awful lot of Judeo-Christian beliefs that were written into our constitution, that were written into the founding of our nation. But it wasn't entirely that. <laughs> right. And that's right. where we get the separation. I think the Constitution would look now if it was written now. I'm just curious. That's such a rabbit hole. I apologize. <laughs> but I just am curious because I think it would be a totally different tone. It would be. And proof of that is actually RGB, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. um, when I believe it was South Africa was redrafting their Constitution and one of the biggest issues that I had with RGB is the fact that she told them, do not base it off the United States Constitution. Well, I mean, she probably saw that there were some things that were problematic. And while we would like to believe that we are in a perfect nation, oftentimes that's not always the case. Um, and I'm not talking bad about America. <laughs> you give me a look. I'm not talking bad about America, but I could see why she would say that. Yeah. I would like to read her notes on that, honestly. Yeah. I, I always felt like she was very eloquent. I believe so. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, getting back to mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. there are certain aspects 
of the founding of this nation. There are certain aspects of just even local administrations and local municipalities where I don't have an issue if they want to have a statue of the Ten Commandments. I don't really either. I mean, it doesn't it, – I mean, they're all pretty good moral values to have anyway. So, you know, I think I, – I don't either, honestly. I mean, and we say one nation under God in our Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> it's interesting. Did you listen to my – I haven't yet. I actually queued it up today and I got distracted. I'm sorry. So it wasn't until – what was it? 1954 <clears throat> and it was under Eisenhower that added under God. Really? Into our Pledge of Allegiance and we made it to the 31 words that it is today. It's amazing how divisive that is. Uh, it, it really – I mean, it has been forever, probably <laughs> yeah. since 1954. Um, but yeah, no, it really is. I mean, it's so. And when so, this is where we get to local, as far as dealing with what's happening with res, as far as a mask mandate, dealing with what's yeah. happening with local churches. Where do you think the breakdown was within religion? I've got my own ideas on this, but I'm curious. I want you to clarify: Are we talking about religion as a whole? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All, all religions, cause all religions have been decreasing. And there's, the reason why I'm, I'm asking this question is there yeah. is movements on different social media platforms. Um, TikTok has a massive X LDS. Yeah. Yeah. Platform on there. And so it's, it's a matter of looking at religion as a whole. And what do you believe the, uh, started the dominoes? Well, I, I can tell you personally what, what I saw at the start of the dominoes was, um, you know, I'm sure you remember this 13, 14 years old. We went to a friend of ours church for a, essentially a CTR conference, which is choose the right. And it was, the idea was, is that you weren't going to be sexually active until you were married. And my personal thought on that is that while Obviously, nobody wants a bunch of pregnant teens running around putting a ring on their finger isn't going to stop that. And I think where some of this breakdown started was that religion, and I think it always has been about control very much. I mean, churches were, you know, the Bible and, you know, it sets down these laws and you have to follow those laws. Otherwise, you're not, you're excommunicated or you're punished in some way, right? And I think that when religion, and God, this could be thousands of years we're going to get so many emails. I'm sorry. No, don't uh, be sorry. No, Let's I, have the conversation. Yeah, I just mean I think that the, the breakdown, it especially recently, has come from the fact that people were told, if you don't believe like we believe, you're going to hell. You're not part of our community. And, it, you know, you're removed from the community. It's like the Amish. They literally shun them and they will not even look them in the eyes because you chose that that wasn't the path you were going to take spiritually. And I think that that becomes problematic because what it does is it creates an even bigger divisive line. And let's be real. I mean, these millennials, they are not interested in being told that everything you thought you knew, right, or you're supposed to know is either wrong or they're going out into the world and they're seeing that life isn't always as pretty as what a book tells you to do. <laughs> And I, I say that very cautiously because I would never, ever say that somebody's choice of belief is wrong. But I think that became a problem when we were told things like, if you are Mormon, I'm going to berate you for an hour and a half and tell you everything you ever believed was wrong. Or if you choose not to receive blood because you're Jehovah's Witness, right? 
you choose not to, and you're told, well, then we're not going to care for you. And I, I just think, I think that breakdown started occurring and I, I really do. And I'm going to say, I, I feel like millennials bucked against that authority. And I think that our generation, my generation, I suppose I should say, um, bucked against that authority of, I'm going to do what I want to with my life and I'm going to raise my kids to be good people. And if that doesn't, if that goes against what your book tells me to do, and I, I, I believe what the Bible has to say, I, I do, um, it, it, to some extent, um, but I think that we have to be discerning and make those decisions for our family and our spirituality. And when somebody tells you how wrong you are, what you say is, oh, wow, you must be right. Is that what everybody says? Because that's not what everybody says. Everybody <laughs> says, you know what? Shove it. Almost nobody says Almost that. Almost nobody says this. They shove it. I don't want to be anywhere near you. I don't want you near my kids and my family. I don't, you're not going to di- dictate how I live my life. And I think that older generations, you know, it are the, the, the baby boomers and even before them, their parents were fitting into a society because the religion dictated that you, that society essentially dictated that you fit into that society because you believed how they believed. You got your Catholic church on the corner. You got your Baptist church on the corner. There's the synagogue over here, whatever it is. And that was what you belong to. And that was your society. And now that we have such an interactive and open planet where we can learn and do anything that we want to and live how we want to, people don't need those confines or that structure. That's my thought on it. Okay. There was a second part to your question. <laughs> what was the second part to your well, question? Well, let me answer that one first. Yeah, I was saying, because, you tell me. Yeah. Um, I believe you were right. And so I think there's two main areas that really started this move away from religion. Suffrage movement. Absolutely. The suffrage movement at that point in time, especially within the Catholic Church, you – Within the Catholic Church, within the Mormon Church, mm-hmm. it truly divided men and women. And it made women a lower class citizen. You will obey your husband. You will obey the men in the church. And so with the suffrage movement, I truly believe that this was an awakening and there was an awful lot of women who have been persecuted for generations Witches. And oppressed. <laughs> and Absolutely. oppressed. Absolutely. And here's the thing. Those quote unquote witches probably were just healers and understood what to do. Or maybe happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or were the mistress of somebody who accused them of being a witch so they would get hung or burned or drown in a lake. Right? So anyway, sorry, I digress. Keep going. <laughs> and I think the other <clears throat> part of it is the internet. And the reason why I state the internet is because you are able to dive into religion, into religious texts. You're able to do a Google Translate and translate the Bible from Hebrew. You're able to translate it and see a little bit more of what it actually said. Yep. And so people have woken up and they've started digging in more and more into their religion. Yeah. And that's raised an awful lot of questions. Well, I would say also it's very easy to find any biblical text you want by Googling what is a Bible passage that states what I want it to state. (laughs) And it's so easy. I can do it right now. Yeah, we see that an awful lot with LGBTQ, with gay marriage. Oh, yeah. The biggest frustration that I have with people that are extremely devout is I've only met a handful in my life that truly study, 
truly understand the religion that they believe and are willing to question it. Right. And I think it's impressive that they walk in faith like that. But a majority of them do not understand the religion that they follow. And they don't understand how many times the Bible's a perfect example. How many times the Bible has been rewritten. Over and over and over. And don't think for one second that that Bible wasn't written skewed. It has been used to serve a purpose. Absolutely. And it's, it is a, a control mechanism. I, I would concur with that. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't mean that, that if you believe in the Bible, that you're a blind sheep. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't mean that at all. No, and I, I want I, that to be real clear, but I just, I just think that we don't always know where that information is coming from. And it's being translated by somebody that you probably better trust. Yeah. So, Dealing with the ability to actually research more, to understand more as far as a religion is concerned, it allows you to question more. Where 40 years ago, you're going to be in a library, maybe a library that's not even within your state, to find texts to be able to actually understand and dive into the questions that you have. Right. It's not something that was readily available. Now it's at your fingertips. Now it's on your phone that you can start and say, hey, why is this? What does this passage mean? And then in addition to that, it's not just the Bible where you're able to pull up a Quran. You're able to pull up other religious texts and be able to actually study them and say, hey, what does this say? And then being able to be, you know, a lot of people, and I remember when I, when I used to go to church, how many of them were very much, especially pastors, very much that said, this is the only faith. This is the true faith. If you believe in anything else, you're yeah. going to hell. Yeah. And so they tried to prevent you from growing, from understanding your religion more so than what they have told you. Yeah. Like, was it, was it heresy to question? You know, it is, is it, and, and I, I would concur with that wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I, I did a lot of religious studies as a, a young woman, um, even from the time I think probably 15, 16 years old, because one of the parameters my mom set for me was that, because I decided when I was 15, I was Buddhist, right? And she was like, okay, if you choose to do that, you need to understand what you are going to state you believe. And that was always the thing with my kids. And I, I think you and I kind of are from the same, uh, cut from the same, Cloth. Uh, yeah, cloth. <laughs> that what, I couldn't think of the word, sorry. Um, but we're cut from the same cloth on that in the sense that if you're going to believe that, you better know why you believe it. Or if you don't want to believe it, that's okay. Yeah. But you need to have a solid backing and understanding of what you're saying you don't believe in. Ricky Gervais is a comedian that I appreciate an awful lot more so. So Ricky Gervais and um, Penn, it's, is it, yeah, Penn Gillette. Oh, yeah, yeah are two very outspoken atheists and they have wonderful, wonderful candid conversations about atheism. And, but both of them agree that even atheists have issues with the fact that a true atheist in their opinion, a true atheist is the most knowledgeable person on religion and then chooses not to believe any of them because they don't make sense to them. Correct. And there are an awful lot of, what's the proper term that I'm not going to irritate? There's an awful lot of lazy atheists. Oh, I think there's a lot of lazy Christians. Correct. I mean, 
you know, that's just, that's the age we're in. (laughs) And so, and in this day and age to be able to actually study what you believe, I don't have an issue with what you believe as long as you aren't forcing that belief onto somebody else. And that's where I think we have an awful lot of issues is you have an awful lot of people that they they see the Joel Olsteins. Mm -hmm. To me, Joel Olstein. Yeah, he may give you some, some words that you want to, that are inspirational on a, on a daily basis or whatever it may be. Yeah, you can get a crowd going. He's not a Christian. I mean, <laughs> you don't think he's closer to God in his private plane? No. No, I know. It's no. ridiculous. Any and- tele- televangelist, uh, you, <laughs> if you want to take it up with me, please reach out to us because I would love to have you on the podcast and be able to have this conversation. It's, any televangelist, unless they are living poor, truly living poor and giving everything back to the community, I don't believe that you are the person of faith. Well, and the thing about it is, is when you're asking for people to continually donate money, but that money is not being used towards your churches and towards outreach and to doing good, but rather it's to fund your plane so that you can go to the next mega church and get more money. Uh, come on. No. And that, you know, I'll tell you something that I, I think, you know, we had the Tammy phase. Tammy, Tammy Baker, Tammy Faye Baker. Was that her name? The one with all the mascara running down her face while she was sobbing. Do you remember her? Oh, uh, you're a little younger I than me, but she was her, her and her husband were televangelists and she's still very active in the whole thing, but she would cry and cry and cry on television and pray. Okay. Here's the thing. When you sit on television and you say something like, there's a man out there named John who needs our prayers, and we know, and we're going to lift him into faith because he's fallen ill. Okay, that's cold reading. That's cold reading. This is just like when you go to a psychic, and she tells you all about how you had a bad week last week, but it's going to be just fine this week, and don't worry, you'll find your Mr. Right. Okay, that's cold reading, and that is preying on people who are afraid that they're going to burn in hell. You know, hell's not even actually in the Bible, by the way, uh, or the description, I suppose. And, and I honestly, I, I cannot stand that sort of behavior because what it does is it tells people who are even thinking about being in that religion or having some sort of faith or spirituality that I got to do is send me 20 bucks and don't worry, I'm going to save your soul. I mean, this, this ridiculous idea that throwing money at something or cold reading or all of those things is so anti faith and spirituality. And it really makes me angry because, and that's why I don't like organized religion. I'm just not a fan of organized religion. And I got to say, I really take issue with churches giving political and health information to their constituents or to their members, their flock, if you will. I really take issue with that because the thing is, what if you're wrong? Yeah. Unless you're a doctor or unless you are a lawyer or you know what I'm saying? And I just, I just feel like, you know, and I've met a lot of really wonderful pastors. I have a lot of really wonderful humans. In fact, some of my favorite people from when I was in nursing school were in the religious realm, but they would be the first person to tell you, no, that stuff, that's not God. That's not faith. That's not religion. What that is, is a coffer that needs to be filled. No. So, (laughs) The last time that I went to church on a fairly regular basis was actually a a Catholic church in in northern Colorado. 
And the biggest frustration that I had, so one of the, I hadn't studied, I'd studied just the surface level of Catholicism. And so I was actually very interested in diving in deeper, understanding the thought processes, understanding what was kind of transpiring and where they were going. And so I, and I enjoyed uh, the father, I enjoyed his homilies because he was very well read and he knew Hebrew he studied the Bible in Hebrew and he was able, he was a wonderful speaker. And I truly enjoyed listening to his homilies because it was coming from a point that it was educational and it wasn't just do as I say. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. The frustration that I had with it is I had finally gotten to the point after I think it was a couple of months that I had put in, yes, I'd like more information and gave him my phone number. For the next 13 weeks, I received calls from them. Every single time was for money because they wanted to do an addition. Out. And it was all about money. And it was finally at the 13th one that I blew up on the guy. And I said, the only reason why you have my phone number is because I want, I was interested in learning more about yeah. your religion. And the only thing that you have used it for is to try and get money out of me. And I said, so at this point in time, it is pretty clear to me that all you care about is my wallet. You don't care about my soul. Right. Right. And so that, that also again skewed me. And so it's where I, all of these little bits and pieces have driven me to where I am as far as religion. And now we look at religion and politics and how over the last 18 months, two years, they have integrated more and more. Yeah. Dealing with the abortion topic. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> the frustration that I have on the right, especially with the abortion topic, is how many times that they could actually have a decent argument against abortion without ever bringing religion up. Yep. And yet they don't. And that is part of the frustration that I have is if this is just strictly your belief, we talk about the separation of church and state and I think that so many people do not understand what that truly means. Separation of church and state is separation between the individual and the collective. Right. And with your religious views, with what you believe, you can have the, you can believe in the laws and the rules that, that guide your life personally. Sure. And then the state, the collective, we have a group of laws and rules that we all have to abide by collectively. And so when you try to push your individual beliefs onto everybody, there's going to be pushback. That's what I, how I take the separation of church and state is understanding that there are going to be, or should at least be far less laws for the collective than the laws and rules that you choose to abide by within your own life. Right. Well, and, and the Bible actually does say it's uh, Romans 13, one through two says, obey the government for God is the one who has put it there. So those who refuse to obey the law of the land are refusing to obey God and punishment will follow. Just, <laughs> I, it, it's just, it's, I remember that, you know, the idea of course is that as a believer, especially, I mean, that's the Bible, but I believe that pretty much every religious text basically says, follow the law of the land. Like, I'll have to look it up. But, you know, it's interesting. Have you ever read the Quran? I have, yes. Yeah, it's actually a very interesting 
it is text. I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I think, I think where people fail to realize how much they push their own beliefs and religion onto other people. I think they fail to realize that really the basis of most religions, and I'm not going to say all, okay, um, but of most religions is to be stewards of your community and to really care for one, one another. And when you start that BS, because that's the nicest thing I can say about it. When you start that BS of our church is the one church, you have to go to this church or you will not have eternal life or you will not be granted grace or you will not have whatever, right? When you start that BS, what happens is, is that you create an even bigger and bigger divide and now it's all seeped into politics and it's just making it worse. It's just making it worse. The thing is, I don't know about you, Alex, but my goal in life is not to be rich and famous. My goal in life is to be good to other people and raise my children to be that way as well. That's it. That's all I want. When I was a little girl, we were pretty poor. And I remember I would lay at night and I would pray. And I would pray that God, when I became an adult, only thing I ever wanted was not to be rich, but to be able to pay my bills. Because I didn't like that hollow feeling and that fear of, do we have another meal coming? Or can we pay the light bill so our house will be warm tonight when it's snowing outside or whatever? You know what I'm saying? And I just wish, I really wish that people could think of their belief system as that, of go out and be good. I mean, for God's sakes, <laughs> Pope Francis, I love that guy. He's so cool. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not a part of the Catholic religion anymore. And actually, I mean, I haven't stepped in foot in a Catholic church in years and years, but I'm not opposed to going to a church. I don't mind. I feel it's, it's sort of a, a moment of reflection time for me. Um, but I think that if people took that to heart and really tried to, to be that person that doing good for others, not when people are looking, right? If they really took that to heart, I think we would be better off. Well, in, in order to get to that point, and this is again going back to Penn Jillette, is somebody asked him, uh, you know, well, if you don't believe in a religion, then, you know, what's keeping you from killing and raping and doing all of this stuff? And his response was just simply, um, well, I kill however many people that I want to. I rape however many people I want to. And that number is zero. Right. It's, right. I don't need, a, I don't need, I don't need a, a, somebody to stand up and tell me I shouldn't do that. Being able to have morality in a society is not necessarily directly tied to religion. So the other part about it that, uh, that I look at, and this is where I'll probably get a little bit of hate is indoctrination. So you have yeah. that word has come up so much over the last two years, and especially with the drag time um, stories, Yeah, you know, yeah. where a drag drag queen comes and reads stories to kids. Right. And there was so much hate on that. And so they're and they're in constant topic and constant pushback against that was you're indoctrinating our kids. But yet you take your kids to church. Every Sunday. And, and is, yeah. at what point in time do we look at overall indoctrination as a whole? Because I, with with my kids, we have the same thought process as far as um, if I, my daughter's been exposed to religion, if she is interested and she wants to start going to church, 
I'll You'll take facilitate her. that. Yeah. I will take her, yeah. but I'm not going to force my beliefs onto her. Right. I'm going to force certain beliefs as far as, Hey, be a good person. Right. We don't steal. We don't murder. We don't do any of that stuff. I push morality, but I do not push religion. Well, so I'm going to go back to that whole sex before marriage thing real quick. And I, I have a point on this. I promise. Um, I think what's interesting as a parent, and I'm not a perfect parent. I promise you, I'm a terrible mom. I, my kids will tell you that. No, they won't. They won't. But I, I do my best just to be, you know, to support and love my kids. But here's the thing. When somebody says to your child, if you have sex before marriage, you're going to hell. Okay. Probably not. Cause here's the thing. <laughs> All right. Here's, here's how I look at that. If you teach your child not to touch the hot stove and you tell them the consequences of that and they still touch the stove anyway, you've done your best as a parent to give them the guidance not to be harmed. And I think the idea before, you know, premarital sex and all of, of course, the 10 commandments, all of that stuff, the whole idea behind that, and this is just my philosophical thought on it, but I think a lot of that stemmed from trying to keep a society law abiding and moral and not creating, you know, women who have been sexually liberated, all of those things, but rather keeping family units intact. I'd agree fully with that. And, and one thing that my mom taught me, and I, I always really look at how my mom was such an interesting, she still is, I mean, of course, but she's such an interesting woman in the sense that she never said don't have sex before marriage. What she said was go into it freely of your own free will. Do not be forced. And if you need protection, you just come tell me. And it, I think that's kind of the, you know, instead of saying, just don't do it. It's stupid. Don't do it. Nope. You're sinning versus here are the consequences. If you have premarital sex and you get pregnant, now you've limited your choices. You've limited your choices. Are you going to have an abortion or are you going to give your child up for adoption or are you going to be a teen mom? And that made sense to me. And I think what happens is that religions try this idea of if you don't do it our way, you are sinning and you are therefore no longer part of our community because we can't be around somebody that might potentially, I don't know, tarnish our image. And that whole indoctrination thing, Alex, you're absolutely right. Do you think, how many kids came from that drag story time and put on their makeup and and became drag queens? Oh, I have no idea. Hey, you know what? If they did, they're for them. I don't <laughs> care. I, I mean, but but here's the thing. That is such a silly thing to fear as a parent because what you did was you essentially said, well, I've given them all these tools and, and my religion is strong enough to keep my children safe for, from a lifestyle that I don't agree with and I believe is sinning. But... So you're diving right into the topic that I wanted to yeah, talk about. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, so <laughs> if I... Uh, yeah, if I do that to my child, what I'm telling them... but. Nature versus nurture. Let's talk about that. So dealing with, I'm just going to dive right into it, dealing with rape culture and how many people, and I heard this at the Christian school that I went to, the Baptist school that I went to, that both of them had um, dress codes. Yeah. Yeah. And especially the harsh dress dress codes for the girls. Girls. Yeah. No spaghetti straps. No, don't wear too short of a shirt. You, you have to cover yeah. up. You have to do all of that stuff. You know what Jesus actually said in the Bible? Don't rape. Uh, no. He said that if what a woman is wearing causes you to have immoral thoughts, gouge your own eyes out. Yep. 
it's not the woman's fault. It's your fault and gouge your own eyes out. And the frustration that I have is so many people that I've, I've met throughout the years that are very religious and yet they will still have the opinion that women need to cover up. Oh, I sat inside, I sat inside of a church one time that I never returned to. And that was the sermon was do not dress that way. Because if you dress that way, you're asking for it. I'm, I'm no, no, no. I'm dressing that way because I feel confident. Now, granted, you know, with your younger kids, especially your younger girls, you got to make sure that they're not dressing so promiscuous that they're, they're receiving unwanted attention. Yeah. But it is never anybody's fault that they were raped based on what they were wearing. That's it. Yeah. There's no question. I mean, I'm sure you've read that, that uh, <laughs> if you're feeling the urge to rape, don't rape. <laughs> yeah. kind of list. I, mean, I mean, come on, you know? Yeah. I agree. I agree. So you take that into account. And then the other thing, um, so my, my stepson had his 21st. Yeah. And... I was proud of him. He didn't want to drink a whole lot. And it was kid. very unusual for a kid turning 21. I reflected on with a buddy of mine on my own 21st. And I'm like, I don't remember it after about 11 o'clock at night. And Oh, I, yeah, I didn't do that. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I'd been drinking for years before. Nobody arrested me. Uh, but it just wasn't, I was like by myself and was like, whatever. <laughs> But even so, this is taking it completely away from religion, but looking at the rules that are put in place, why do we have major drinking issues in this nation, especially with young adults as far as 21, 22, in their early 20s? A lot of it is the stigma behind something. Absolutely. So when you were talking about, you know, sex before marriage, that sort of stuff, if you put a rule in place and you make it bad, you know, drinking is bad. Then at that point in time, as soon as somebody turns 21 and is able to go out to a bar and, and have a drink or two, they overdo it. Yep. These are the kids that go to college and they get in the dorms and their parents aren't watching anymore and they're going to do whatever they want. To. Correct. And it's also the difference with our level of alcoholism here within the United States versus some of the European countries. I would concur. Where you can have a drink if you're 16 or if you're 18. Right. And so it's understanding that different mindset and going back to your topic as far as sex before marriage, you look at that and so many people are afraid, you know, we talked about CRT, but they're afraid of sex ed in schools. Yeah. And I had questions for people when they were talking to me about this on the campaign trail and they said, well, what would you do? Because one of my, my pillars was education reform. Yeah. And I said, Every single one of them said that should be taught at home. And I said, the problem is, is that parents are not having that conversation with their kids. Yeah. It's either too taboo or they're uncomfortable with it, or they don't think that their child is going to engage in that because they have a special ring on. Correct. And so, so much of that education is not taking place in, in, in the home that the only place to actually have that education is in the schools. Well, here's the thing. I'm sure you're aware of the studies that they did in, in inner city schools where they had high pregnancy rates and like one school had like 17 girls all pregnant at the same time, right? And they, they look at these inner city or even really just any school. Honestly, I shouldn't just, you know, put it right on that, but you look at an area where they have a high pregnancy rate and you go in and you do real sex education and you teach them how to be safe, how to prevent getting STDs, where to get treatment, access to that, 
do you know that abortion rates and pregnancy rates went down so significantly that it absolutely points to the idea that we teach our children consequences, prevention, and 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 self-respect for God's sakes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's uh, uh, and I. Of course, I'm not an advocate for underage drinking. Just throw that out there right there. Or, or <laughs> underage sex, all of those things. Because I don't want people to think, you know, I'm drawing pentagrams on the floor or something. But um, what I mean is this like... This isn't supernatural. It's not. It's not. It's not. I don't have any salt. Uh, but what I mean is, is giving children knowledge on consequences and how to prevent things uh, like your friend dying in a ditch because they're drunk. Or having that open communication with your kids, but not everybody's going to have that, just like you said. Not everybody's going to have that. So if we can give those kids that knowledge and let them see the consequences and not just, well, she had sex and then she died, mean girls. Um, But here's, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Here's the thing. That's not a good, sorry. But it's just, that's not an adequate way of educating our children. So you're absolutely right. Reform on education that we're teaching our children the consequences. And that absolutely, wow, that goes right back to CRT. Oh my gosh. CRT and the other aspect of it is I truly believe that all of the major religions around the world should be taught in schools. I actually took a religion class in high school where we studied major religions all over the world. Study Islam, study Christianity, study, even you can break it out into the different versions of all of these different religions. Yeah. Study Hinduism. Hinduism yeah. is the oldest practiced religion in the world, I believe, because yeah. it, it predates Christianity by, I want to say a thousand, twelve hundred years, something yeah, along those. Something, I don't even know, but yeah. Buddhism. Yeah. Taoism. And actually give knowledge. So one of my favorite philosophers, Lao Tzu, is the sort of action without action, right? So if something is really causing you some strife, if you're very stressed about something, something happened at work and you're upset with this colleague and you think, what am I going to do? How am I going to talk to them? What am I, you know, I really have to go confront this person because it was offensive what they did or, or we're having bad interactions or whatever. And sometimes... It's the inaction is actually an action, right? And I, that's one of the coolest philosophers I've ever read. I, I read it in a philosophy class. And, and it's like the idea that you don't always have to jump and react to something. I've tried to teach my children that. And, and I, I really sometimes, I will say to my boss sometimes, I just don't think that's worth me doing something about it. And she'll say, well, why? We have to fix this. No, I don't think we do. I think we let that sit. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I just feel like, I feel like, yeah. Silence in broadcasting is a very powerful thing. Oh, yeah. Is when you have a silent moment. The pause. The pause. Then at that point in time, people, they listen. Or they fill the hole. Correct. And sometimes you find out way more. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the truth of it right there, isn't it? So dealing with religion and politics, it's. You know, as we're winding down this topic, I, I understand people's beliefs, and I'm not saying anything against them. Mm-mm. It's where we need to change the thought process, and that's what I was talking about earlier as far as the separation of church and state mm-hmm. and understanding the difference between individual versus we as a whole. Yep. And until 
a lot more people start to understand that and are starting to dive in deeper. And if you are religious, I encourage you to actually do the deep dives and study your full religion. Yeah. Don't just follow blindly. Right. And I would, I would so concur with that. And just like you said, I, I, um, encourage anybody in your beliefs to have your beliefs. They're yours. As long as you're not infringing on my rights. And I'm going to say that again, <laughs> have your beliefs as long as you're not infringing on my rights. And the other thing is this, please don't just listen to your church blindly or to whatever belief system you have. Don't do that blindly no. because that's where, that's where you get more division. And that's where we have these, you know, holy wars and you're going to believe how I believe, even though your culture is totally different than mine. No. I don't live in your world. Yeah, I don't know if it was Thomas Jefferson. I know he gets quoted with this quote quite a bit, but who knows if it was just made up on in the internet is, uh, you know, religious wars, two people fighting over whose imaginary friend is better. Oh boy. Them's his fighting words. I'll tell you what. Yeah. No, but I, I would concur with but you, Alex. It's being able to take that step back and to be able to have the conversation. Again, this is a difficult conversation for, for most people is to be able to actually dive in to religion and to be able to question what you believe. Right. And then also being able to have a different point of view yeah. and a different perspective brought to you. Well, I, you know, I've always said to my friends, and I know I've said this to you before, I've said, hey, listen, if you need anything, I'm right there. If you, you just need to let me know. Or is there something, I mean, I showed up at your house and made what? two dozen burritos, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's the actions that you take. You can speak anything you want to, you can speak any words you want to, but if you're not walking the walk and talking the talk, I'm not interested in what you have to say. No, that's it. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. I go back to when my daughter was born and my daughter, the story of my daughter, it's, <laughs> her, the best survivability that they ever, ever gave her was one tenth of 1%. Yeah. She shouldn't be here in all, in all actuality, she is a miracle. She absolutely is. Yeah. And I didn't believe that with looking at everything that transpired, as soon as we got notice that there were issues, people from every religion prayed for us. And we stopped during one of my classes at school. My entire nursing class sat and prayed for that baby. And so that's the other part about it is just because somebody doesn't believe the same way you do. Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're wrong. Doesn't mean that you're wrong. Open the conversation. 100%. Yeah. All right. I know that that was a deep dive. We had a couple of really deep episodes, but I think it's good, valuable information. And again, this is some of the stuff that this is happening. This is happening within your own neighborhood. This is happening with your own town, within your own city. This is happening within Northern Colorado that we are having some major issues as far as the, the separation of church and politics. Yeah. And being willing to, and being open more so than anything else to have the conversations. That's how we get through it. I, I would agree with that, Alex. I also think, you know, being open and willing to have those conversations, but also really understanding what you believe and why you believe it is a really big thing. 
but I think it's also being able to take that compassion and just be kind to each other. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to a little bit lighter topic. Oh man, I like beer this of the topic week. tonight. Beer of uh, the week. Beer of the week, baby. So we have a repeat beer of the week. We have not had Bertha Brewing on for almost a year now. And so we actually have them on because they've got a couple of new beers out. Oh man, and they're good beers. Ooh, I like <laughs> those ones. We had to try. So I'll let you go first. All right. So Bertha Brewing Company, um, we got a crowler of the blueberry sour, which is six point or six percent ABV. Oh man, I love this beer. <laughs> oh man, I love I, this beer. I am not a sour fan. I am not I'm a sour not. fan. There's a handful of sours that I can drink. Um, I am shocked that I enjoy this beer as much as I do. It is so good. It is. It's tart. It's not an mm. overbearing sourness. And it's not sickly sweet. Correct. It's not sweet. It has it has the blueberry flavor, but it's not overpowering. It is just a an enjoyable beer. It is really I mean, I'll tell you something. I, I said this when we first cracked it open that I wanted to put a lemon on it. Honestly, I would love to make like a blueberry reduction syrup with this. Oh my god, it'd be so good. It, this is, it's <laughs> so delicious. It, it, and I don't know, you know, we always talk about like mow the lawn, grab your hammock, you know, grab your beer, have at it. This one, I feel like I could just, I could, it's not even like a dessert beer either. It's, oh man, it's good. It's not overly sweet. And mm-hmm. so there's, what I see happen an awful lot with a lot of, um, fruit sours. Yeah. Is that they are, they have that sweet, or they have that sour or it's almost too sour to where they then flood it with sweet. They flood yeah. it with that sugary aftertaste and it has that almost artificial flavor to it. Yeah. Definitely Don't get not any here. of that here. You could make like a, Blueberry mimosa <laughs> with this thing. Oh my god! Or a blueberry lemonaders. Oh man, it's so good. I love it. So tell us about our next beer. And the one that I really enjoy is their cold brew, um, and I believe this it's cold brew FS. And I was thinking that it was a stout, but I don't think that it's a stout. Um, but it's their cold brew beer, and it's a seven and a half percent ABV. I really enjoy this. <laughs> wow, it's good. It's good. I love cold brew anyway. I'm a big coffee drinker. It's the same and, here. Yeah, I'm not a coffee snob at all. I'll sit at IHOP and drink a pot there. I'll go to Starbucks or wherever and get a, anything, honestly. Um, it is, it's not sweet. It's got a beautiful, that it's like a nitro kind of, the, there's, the flavor of the coffee comes through so clean and so delicious. But not overbearing. At all. Not at all. No. no. It, and it's it's really, I mean... It's a very balanced coffee beer. Yeah, I would concur with that. I, I am very impressed with it, honestly. And it's... it's uh, You drink nitros often yep. enough. And man, I'll tell you something. It is phenomenal. Just phenomenal. <laughs> That's I, I mean, we, we really had knocked it out of the park with both of these tonight. Solid works. Yeah. Solid work. Uh, the nose on this one oh, yeah. <laughs> it is amazing. So, but yeah, so if you uh, are in the mood to try something new, definitely go try their cold brew and their blueberry sour down at Bertha Brewing. Yeah, they actually pair very nicely together. Yeah. Do you know, um, 7-Eleven had a coffee that was a blueberry coffee. Okay, it sounds weird. That sounds very weird. Bear with me here. Here's the thing. <laughs> okay. 
oh my God, it was so good. <laughs> and the two of these kind of together brings back this. I've been looking for blueberry coffee for quite some time. And the only one I can find is like blueberry honey or something. And I don't want it. It's too sweet. Oh man. Throw it out there. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I can't do that type of coffee. So if you, if you got any hate again, directed at the transplant on that one, blueberry coffee. No, it was so good. Uh, it was, and, well, here's the thing. I don't put sugar in my coffee. I just put cream and I prefer like, my dairy half and half because it's yeah, mine's, so good. Mine's just black like its soul. Yeah, like well, there soul. it is. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I could make so many more comments on that. Religion, huh? Yes, indeed. So awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed yeah, our conversation about religion. I know it's some a topic that not unfortunately not very many people talk about, but everybody is thinking about. And so, yeah, we thought we'd dive on in, and we yeah. definitely did. Any, any topic ideas that you guys have too, if you want to come on the show, if you're feeling that itch to get on the mic, come on. <laughs> uh, definitely reach out to us. The easiest way is the native dot the transplant at gmail.com. Again, the native dot the transplant at gmail.com. All right. Well, as always, I'm your native, Alex Johnson. And I'm your transplant, Jen Bryant. We'll see you next week. Take care. <laughs>